2: well, listen, kind of older and I'm white. Yeah, well you're half right. Well, this is amateur hour. This is gonna be huge. I think this is gonna be our finest hour? Just when I think you said the stupidest thing ever. You keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it? I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. time to head home for a Hump Day edition of the Sports Rush. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. You're connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Let us know what's on your mind. Coming up this hour, we've got guests and more guests. Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files. He'll be joining us coming up at about 520. Also, Dylan Sin, Journal Gazette, talk basically Indiana College sports. We'll talk some Notre Dame football, Indiana, and Purdue basketball. Of course, both will be in action tomorrow night, both on the road. The Boilermakers head to Columbus to take on Ohio State. Indiana, who hasn't been in action since the Eisenhower administration, will get back to basketball. They're going to (laughs) Iowa. I mean, this really is, for a Big Ten team, it's a ridiculously long break. Mm And they will be at Iowa taking on what will probably be a pretty feisty Iowa Hawkeye squad after they went on the road, got beat at Penn State on, uh, was that Saturday, Sunday? That might have been a Sunday game. I watched it. Monday game? I I don't know. You know, didn't it seem like this weekend that Sunday was Saturday and Monday was Sunday for us? This was a little thrown off. It yeah. was on Sunday. 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 So uh, both those teams will be in action. We'll talk to Dylan Sin about it all coming up at around 535. Uh, Tonight, Pacers get back to action. Of course, they really haven't been off that long. Just one day break before taking on (laughs) Philadelphia tonight. Uh, They'll take on the Philadelphia 76ers on the road. And I'll tell you, the Pacers have been one of the hottest teams in the NBA, winning six of their last seven, sweeping a four-game homestand. Just got completed with the win over the Raptors on Monday, um, but uh, they have uh, they have got um, four wins in a row and pretty decent competition. I yeah. mean, they beat the Hawks by 15. Buddy Healed with 28 points, five scores in double figures. Then they beat the Calves. With five scores again in double figures, with Tyrese Halliburton putting up 29 points. Mm -hmm. In fact, the uh, Pacers had four players against the Cavs that got 20-plus. Wow. Uh, Then you had the Clippers on New Year's Eve. Close one there. 131-130. That was a lot of fun to send Paul George back to L.A. (laughs) with a loss, which they did have the flight. In fact, what was funny is they were on a flight about the same time we were on the bus, and I thought... They're going to go from Indy to Los Angeles, about the same amount of time that we're going to go from Youngstown, Ohio to Fort Wayne.
3: Yeah, that's that's how planes work.
2: <laughs> you, you add so much to the show, Adam. Thank I can't you. tell you. Thank you for reminding me that's how planes work. Uh, and then on Monday, the Toronto Raptors were the victim, 122-114. Seven double-figure scores for the Pacers in that game, led by Ben Mathurin off the bench with 21. So they're getting balance, They're getting production from yeah. a lot of the new names. Yeah. Aaron Neesmith's been fantastic. Andrew nebhard has been solid. Uh, but, you know, in many ways, it's, it's kind of the play of Miles Turner. And at first we thought, okay, Miles is just trying to show out so that he can get, you know, he can get either the big contract after the season, sure, or uh, be in demand for a trade. Well, now it's almost like if you listen to Miles, it almost sounds like he's buying into this group of players, and I'm not sure if he wants to leave. And so it'll be very interesting to see how this develops and if the Pacers are still going to move him, um, if they're going to make the trade, uh, will they make it? I guess they have to make it before the trade deadline because once you get to the end of the season, he becomes free agent. Will they give him a long-term deal? Um, I'll I tell you this. The Pacers aren't the same team without him, and I'm not the biggest Miles Turner fan. I- I've never been a huge Miles Turner fan, but with this roster, they need a Miles Turner in it. And so if you don't have Miles, who are you going to have? Isaiah Jackson's not the answer. He's playing with the Mad Ants tonight. Yes, he is. He's in town. Mad Ants are at the Coliseum. And NBA player Isaiah Jackson is uh is gonna be with the Mad Ants. Probably the first time you've heard that. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Even if you're a Mad Ants fan, you probably didn't realize that. News doesn't get out real good sometimes. But uh but yeah, so Isaiah Jackson will be in town. I know you want to go see Isaiah Jackson play.
3: Yeah, I might. I might be there tonight. You might see anybody got an extra
2: ticket? Want to float it over to Adam's way? He'd be happy to accept. We're working on it. Uh, but uh, I, I think I'm going to head over to the Gate Center. No, oh. it's the in-state rivalry, Purdue Fort Wayne IUPUI. Yeah, and so the Jaguars and the Mastodons doing battle. Uh, just talked to Maria Marcasano at the coaches show last night. That was great. Very pleased with her team and how they handled things on the road. Uh, they split with Robert Morris and Youngstown State, but Robert Morris, always a tough team, very tough to beat at Robert Morris. And um, and Youngstown State, the preseason pick to win the Horizon League. So no shame in losing that one. Uh, the Mastodons, after a really rough start where... Things started to get out of hand in that second quarter. Yeah. They kind of regrouped. And in the fourth quarter, played pretty even with Youngstown State. And uh, it's a team that's trying to build some confidence right now. And it'll be very interesting to see how they do against IUPUI under a new coach, new system. And, in fact, it is the coach who took over for Maria Marcasano when she was the coach, I believe, at Malone University. Huh. Uh, it was the coach that followed her there. So um, anyway, I think I might go check that out tonight. Quick stop on the way home. Sounds good to me. Um, but uh, Pacers, Sixers tonight, and Joel Embiid, questionable.
3: Yeah, Joel Embiid, uh, questionable. He's got foot soreness. They're going to look at it. It during... was his back the other day, right?
2: Yeah, it was. Did his... They just put him questionable because they're really not sure if he's going to come into the <laughs> arena and say, I don't feel like playing. I don't know. I think he just... Is his body really that broken down? I mean, doesn't it seem like he's got more unique injuries that affect him than maybe anybody in the league, other than Anthony Davis? Anthony Davis might...
3: Yeah, Anthony Davis might have Embiid. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it seems like...
2: uh, How many games has he played? Look that up. Embiid? Yeah. Out out of the total number of games, how many has Embiid played this year? How many has he missed? Because again, there, he hasn't had a serious injury this year, right? So if he's missed, it's been you know toe, sore back. Twenty eight. He's played twenty eight. Mhm. And they've played probably what forty. Uh, yeah, they're twenty two and fourteen, so thirty six. So he's missed eight out of twenty eight. About the same pace he usually's at.
3: Yeah, I think I think it just kind of comes with the territory of being that big of a guy, that too, but. uh yeah, like I said, they, they they had him questionable with back soreness before his last game and then he came out and dropped 42.
2: So, and apparently the scoring 42 hurts your toe or your foot, whatever it is. I guess that's what's on the injury <laughs> report for tonight. Yep. Uh of course, we have all been hoping to hear good news regarding Damar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills uh safety who we all saw collapse on the field at Cincinnati. Uh, it seems like what little news we have gotten to this point has been positive news uh, a family friend spoke to the media this morning wanted to make one thing clear he said there was a sto- he said there was a story out that he had to be resuscitated twice mm-hmm. and he said i want to make it clear that that's not true well that story actually came From DeMar Hamlin's uncle, who spoke to the media the night before. So apparently that was some erroneous information. Uh, And it said DeMar Hamlin only resuscitated one time. Uh, Apparently in the hospital, he was in good enough condition today to be able to be rolled over. He is still sedated, but they've been able to reduce the oxygen that they're providing him from 100% down to 50%. Uh, and I, I, I don't know what the prognosis is, how long it is going to be that he will be sedated. Obviously, the concern is healing of the brain that uh, that went without oxygen for a while. I mean, when you do not have a heartbeat and stop breathing, there's a lack of oxygen to the brain. And we all hope that that did not cause any kind of long-term brain issues Right. for Damar Hamlin. But at this point... It seems like the trajectory is a positive one. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we all know we've been in these situations before, and sometimes as soon as you start to feel kind of confident that things are going well, we know how quickly they can turn. So certainly he's not out of the woods. But any any news that you get that gives you hope and gives you that encouragement is, is positive. And I think that's how we've got it right now is that there's some positive news coming out regarding Damar Hamlin, his health, and what a story that uh, James Boyd told us about Rodney Thomas, the Colt safety, yeah, high school teammates, uh, high school buddies, and uh, and Rodney Thomas was able to get over to Cincinnati and visit Damar Hamlin mm-hmm. uh, and said that was, that was a big help. He said, I don't know if he heard me, but I was able to speak to him and it just made me feel better knowing I was there offering the words of encouragement and uh, was there firsthand to to visit him and, and try to try to be a positive influence in his recovery. So uh, pretty touching. 46862 Parview Sports Medicine text line. By the way, we mentioned this. Jim Ursay, and I thought it was kind of amusing that Robert Kraft donated $18,000 to the to the GoFundMe page, that is uh, the charity supported by DeMar Hamlin. And Jim Ursay donated $25,003. And he said it was $25,000 plus an extra three for Damar Hamlin's uniform number. And uh, he's among the top donors. And that. What is that site up to now? Is it like six million?
3: Yeah, as of an hour ago, it's hit uh, six million. So yeah, Kraft uh, donated eighteen thousand and three, and then Jim Ursay did twenty-five thousand and three.
2: Uh, and so uh, the the, you know, and and the kids are going to get new uh new BMWs. It's at this point the way it's going. I mean, the Um, the fund was set up to provide toys. For kids. For kids.
3: And it was originally two thousand five hundred dollars. Was the goal. Was the goal.
2: And now they have raised six million dollars. I, I mean, they're going to have to figure out. <laughs> I'm I'm sure they'll find a good use of the money for. Well, if they build a new facility <laughs> and update it with, you know.
3: I'm I'm sure they'll find a way to give it to kids and and make it you know somewhat in line with the charity. But, but yeah. it's
2: tied into his day his mom's daycare? Is that correct? Not sure. Um, I. You hear stories and you don't know what to believe. Four six eight six two is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. By the way, um, and once again, we mentioned this: Isaiah Jackson joining the Mad Ants. Mad Ants are at home tonight. Who is it? Windy City Bulls. Is yep. that who they play? Yep. And that is a seven o'clock tip. Yep. And that'll be at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. Meanwhile, as we mentioned, the uh, the Mastodons women will be on their home court at the Gates Center. And they'll tip it off against the IUPUI Jaguars. So uh, check that out tonight. Maybe get out and enjoy a basketball game. Or the weather gets too cold, although it is getting colder. (laughs) Yeah, as we speak. We had a a couple of nice days there where it wasn't too bad. And now it's starting to drop back into the 30s, maybe even the 20s. Yep. This is Mike Nutter, team president of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. And you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Pacers have won six of seven, four straight, on a recent homestand. In fact, that six of seven includes victory over the Miami Heat down in Miami, a game I got to go to. Let's talk Pacers basketball. Joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline from Fieldhouse Files is Scott Agnes. Scott, good afternoon. Yeah, hello, Brett. Good to be on with you again. Yep, it uh, it has been a little while, but that's because I was gone for two weeks. Where? In Miami. Well, I wasn't actually in Miami. I was down in South Florida, but I made it over to the Pacers game and checked that out. <laughs> that's and big
1: time. I what, like
2: it. What a game. I mean, you know, I got a chance to see a, a real thriller, uh, a game where the Heat made the furious comeback late in the contest, got it tied up, but they left time on the clock, and Tyrese Halliburton drilled the three to win it. That was a lot of fun. I mean, and and in some ways, it's kind of ignited a little bit of a rally here from the Pacers, who've played pretty good basketball, but six out of seven against some pretty good foes along the way. Got to be impressed with what this team has done over this last two week stretch.
1: Yeah, I think so too, Brett. I think you, you you've been able to finally make some, start making some conclusions about this group, about this team, how they play together. And Different things, right? The first month, you're just trying to figure it out and feel it out and see how this team jives and what they're trying to get accomplished. But here in the last 10 days, you can't just say it's an easy schedule or only at home. They've played good competition. They've been at home. They've also won on the road. And with the exception of that New Orleans game where they just did not have it and embarrassed themselves, the rest of the last couple of weeks have been really impressive basketball from a number of different guys, too, especially Halliburton, who's really emerged – as a guy that wants the ball late in games and to have the opportunity to either shoot or get his teammates set up in the right spots.
2: In fact, uh, Halliburton with 33 and then 43 in the two wins on the road against Boston and Miami. Not an easy trip to get a couple of dubs. Um, what are the what's the key to the Pacers? Because I was thinking about this. If you had to say what has made them special or or what has made them 21 and 17 at this point in the season. Is it the play at the top from Halliburton, which I think the Pacers are getting more than even they expected, and I, I know they were very high on Halliburton when they got him out of Sacramento. Is the play at the top, or is it the play, as I would say, at the bottom, the role players, and how deep this team goes with contributors?
1: No, it all starts at the top. It's Tyrese number one, two, and three. Uh, <laughs> as simple as that, just because of the, the variety of ways that he's lifted this franchise both emotionally as kind of the spirit leader um as the leader of the guys on the floor um but on top of that just elevated his game to be playing now at an all-star level and you know we we saw so many games there was 20 points 11 assists at least um now he's closing games he's also setting his teammates up and then on top of that yeah you are seeing a lot of things go their way of healthy bodies knock on wood and buddy healed Reemerging and really having fun again, and I think that'd probably be, if I picked a second thing, it would be that this team loves basketball, and they love playing together. There, there's a joy to this group that you just haven't seen from the franchise in the last three or four years, and that's important as they've reset the culture, and now I think they're trying, they, they've done a good job, I should say, of establishing and starting to establish what they want this organization to be about again
2: and it's very difficult now for uh, kevin pritchard and the pacers to decide what to do we went into the season absolutely convinced that miles turner and betty Heald would not be on this roster come the trade deadline where's that position now
1: i think right now my understanding is it's more in a sit back and not be a proactive um seeking out type deals I don't think they're any have any urgency at this juncture to make a deal. There's still probably five weeks until the trade deadline for one. But on top of that, they have to be cognizant of not disrupting what's created something special. But keep in mind too though, is I don't think they can lose sight of the big picture. And that big picture is to be a contender again. It's not to be relevant. It's not to be a playoff team, the six, seven, eight seed. It's to be a contender. And by doing that, I believe there's still a couple of tweaks some upgrades and a couple of good drafts that need to be had first. And so um, that, that, that said, I wouldn't sit on my hands, but I wouldn't be real urgent to tweak things. So in the big picture, I think you listen to offers for Miles Turner. You talk with Miles about renegotiating his contract and extending him. And, buddy, I think you act if only there's a good deal on the table, if there's a good offer. Otherwise, no need to force it. He's still under contract for one more season. And, in fact, his salary gets cheaper next season.
2: Where is it with Miles Turner? Have there been any preliminary discussions as to what interest he has in a long term deal?
1: I'm not certain about that. I, he did change agents, I want to say about a month ago. Um, but usually dead, you got to wait till deadlines spur action. There just isn't much movement in terms of trades or, or redoing deals in December or early January. Um, I, I'm sure that there, there have been some. And con- just some kind of friendly conversations. but I, I think a lot of this, Brett, is up to Miles in a, in a way. I mean, what I mean by that is, I, I, I can, I think, cert- to a certain number. I don't know what that number is, but I think to a certain number, yes, the Pacers absolutely would be willing to extend this contract and have him part of this future. But it will cost. I think you're going to have to start at 25 million. Will you work your way up to 30, 35? That's where one side's going to start to get uncomfortable. We just don't know what that threshold is just yet.
2: What's his market value, if you had to estimate it? If he was to go into the free agent market at the end of the season, what what do you think he would see as far as offers?
1: I, I think somewhere from that twenty to twenty five million. He's making about eighteen right now. Um, several franchises have decided to kind of punt on your big men. Some have gone all in, but in a way where it's more affordable. For an example, you can look at say Boston last year mm-hmm. on their re- on their push to the title. They had Robert Williams and they had Daniel Tice, two guys total making about twenty five million. One guy gets injured, the other guy has a bigger role for it in there as well. And I think he's due for a new contract upcoming as well. Um, so I I think some franchises, if you don't have that. You know, Hall of Fame type guy. And the two that come to mind, right, Joel and B do the Pacers play tonight, Nikola Jokic as well, those two you pay, no mm. doubt about it. Others, I think, express hesitation spending that kind of money on a position that is not the focal point of teams. It's usually the wing, sometimes that point guard, the guys that can score and dominate a game. Miles is valuable, but he never dominates a game. And so that's why I think he'll certainly get paid more. The salary cap's going up. But will it be above 25? Could he get to 30 from another team? That's where where I'm not certain, and maybe he's not even certain.
2: The centers have become, in the NBA, uh, an NFL running back, is basically <laughs> what you're telling me. Yeah. Uh, Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files joining us. Be sure you get your subscription to the Fieldhouse Files. It's great Pacers coverage from the gentleman that's joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Let's talk about this matchup tonight. What is the key? When you go... When you go up against the Sixers, do you just accept that uh, that uh, Embiid is going to get his and you take everything else away, or do you key on Embiid?
1: No, I, I don't think you can just accept Joel Embiid going off. I think you can accept it to a certain threshold, maybe 30 points. But he's been even spe- more special than that against this Pacers team, you know, pushing into 40s. And if you do that, which he's done many a times this season and helped the Sixers to a win. I don't think you're comfortable with that. He's going to get some. Um, but then on top of that, they have several good wings out on the perimeter. They, they much like the Brooklyn Nets, have been on a nice little run over the last three weeks or so. Um, but it all certainly starts with Joel Embiid and what kind of impact Miles can have. And, and to go back right to our previous question, this is a type of game that if I'm a, a league executive on another team, you're watching closely. If you're willing and having to commit certain level of money to miles can he how does he impact those superstars does he slow them down does he get completely torn up by them this would be a, a good test game for that individual matchup
2: is there a lull in energy or defensive intensity uh at this time of year what is going on in this league 71 from mitchell 60 <laughs> 21 10 from Doncic. Klay thompson goes for 54 what is going on
1: yeah, I wish I knew that. Uh, I think in general, for a while, you saw scoring go up to start the season, and then we start, started seeing random specific calls be emphasized more. And The one that comes to mind, of course, is traveling violations, where they were up like three times what they normally are and called uh, during a season. That brought scoring down a little bit, and I think in the last week or two you've seen scoring increase again. But the individual performances – I don't know. Those have been special. Um, th- that's what makes it entertaining, certainly, is when I go to games. And what makes the NBA special is you never know. You could see something you've never seen before. Um, but you're right. Yeah, a guy, you know, Donovan Mitchell going off for, what, 71 the other night. That's nearly unheard of that you could count on two hands of how many players have done that in league history.
2: Almost three times his scoring average in one night. Just crazy. And Doncic doing it. Uh, both in points, on the glass, with the assist. I mean, just a crazy night for Doncic going 60-21-10, and 10. first time in NBA history any players put up those kind of numbers. Uh, look forward to your coverage, Scott. Always appreciate you jumping on with us, and uh, thanks for taking time with us here on the Sports Rush tonight. Very well. Thank you, Brett. Yep, that is Scott Agnes. The Fieldhouse Files, and it is comprehensive coverage of the Indiana Pacers, and you can get a subscription, very affordable. I think it's seven bucks or something like that a month. But if you're a Pacers fan, you, I mean, what's seven bucks? You drop a Big Mac, right?
3: It's a little higher than my salary.
2: Oh, please,
3: <laughs> please. <laughs> I'm
2: just kidding. I'm going to take you to Christopher James Men's where it gets you dressed. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Uh, we are going to take a timeout. We've got Dylan Sin, who's going to join us on the other side of the break. We'll talk some Notre Dame football. His thoughts about where the Irish go from here, especially at that key quarterback position. Did their did their position change at all by what they saw from Tyler Buckner in a big win in the Gator Bowl? Uh so we'll talk to Dylan Sin about that. Purdue and Indiana in action on the hardwood tomorrow night. It's all coming up next with Dylan Sin on the sports rush on thirteen eighty the fan and one hundred point nine FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rump with Adam Lundy. Pacers basketball, by the way, will be on the air tonight, 6.30, the pregame, with Mark Boyle and company, Pacers, Philadelphia. Now, were you saying that you've got Joel Embiid in fantasy league? Yes. So Joel Embiid can have a big night as long as the rest of the Sixers don't. Yeah, that's fine. It's all about his staff. I that's literally, it. I literally
3: don't care if they win or lose, as long as he has a good night.
2: That's good. Does, does the next play tonight? Yes, I do. And who do they play? I forget. <laughs> How do you forget who your team is playing? <laughs> uh, let's get to the phone line. Masters Heating and Cooling phone line. We've got another guest from the Journal Gazette. Dylan Sin is joining us, and uh, Dylan, I, I, you know, every year I probably am reminded this, but then I forget until the next year. You and I share a birthday.
0: Yes! Happy birthday, Brett! Happy New Year, birthday!
2: And to you too, Dylan. I'm sure everybody listening is thrilled with this. Uh, we're both now. Were you a New Year's baby? Because we're both born on January 1st. Were you a New Year's yes. baby?
0: Yes, I was. Um, I was. Uh, I was the first baby born in my town in
2: 1994. Wow! Wow! You've got that. I don't even have that. I. I was not the first one. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, happy birthday. And uh, you don't look a, a day older. Uh, thank you. I can't thank say you. that about me. But uh, <laughs> let's talk about what happened over the last uh, few days. Notre Dame played their bowl game. And I, I wanted to get your perspective on where Notre Dame is at now. Because I think there was a consensus. Tyler Buckner was not going to be the future quarterback for Notre Dame. But Tyler Buckner performed really well in that, that Gator Bowl win. Has the perspective changed? Do you think Tyler Buckner has a chance to be QB1 next season?
0: I think he has a chance. I, I think that they are still planning on bringing in a quarterback from the transfer portal. The rumors are that it will be Sam Hartman, although that is, of course, not official yet. If it is Sam Hartman, you have to believe that he is going to have the inside track as a guy who is a 6th year senior who is the ACC career leader in touchdown passes. Now, of course, the possibility is Sam Hartman looked at Tyler Buckner in the bowl game and said, hey, it might be might not be quite as easy of a road to starting as I thought it was going to be at Notre Dame. Maybe I want to explore some other options. And Notre Dame uh, and, and Buckner ends up being the guy going into next season or they bring in someone else in the portal. Uh, but I do think he's going to have at least a chance to win the job this offseason. Um, and, and he showed why in that bowl game. There were obviously mistakes, and they were enough mistakes to make you say, well, there are reasons they are bringing in someone from the portal. But you, he has the athleticism. He can throw the ball down the field with some accuracy. Um, and it's just a question more of being more consistent. I mean, he's only a sophomore. He has a chance to improve significantly this offseason. So I think he'll have a chance going into fall camp to win the job.
2: Well, and we saw he can, he can make some plays with his legs. He slings it pretty well. And, yes, he did make some mistakes. I, I try not to hold that too much against him, even though you scratch your head on a couple of them. Uh, because of the situation. One, I thought it was just a bad play call. I thought it was a horrible play call. Notre Dame was just plowing South Carolina right off the line of scrimmage, and then they go to that pass play from what was it, the seven-yard line or something. I, I just yeah. thought that was a dumb play call, and they set up the quarterback to make a mistake, and I don't think you want to do that in that situation with your play calling. But he hasn't played for, like, what, three or four months, so you got to give him a little bit of slack there, huh? No I think that's
0: exactly right, and I think he got better as the game went on pretty clearly i think I think you're right about the, the the interception that he threw over the middle. I don't really have a problem passing so much as I have a problem passing over the middle where there's a lot of defenders. If you wanted to do put the ball in the air, do something like they did later, where you have the uh, the play action and the tight end throwback, that's fine with me um, but I will say that uh, we saw, he, I think he, he fits this team very well, at least this current team, in that they have such a good offensive line that it allows him time in the pocket to survey the field and it allows him to, to uh, make plays with his legs um, in, in the run game. And I think that they, it was a pretty good marriage of player and scheme, and I don't think we saw that back when he was um, playing at the beginning of the season because the offensive line at that point had not gelled. In fact, it was playing very, very poorly. It's kind of interesting to think about what this team could have become this season had Buckner played the whole year because it really is a good marriage of player and scheme.
2: Dylan Sin joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. What about the continuity of coaching staff? This would be the time that you'd have expected maybe something would be out there if they were going to make changes. Uh, do you believe this coaching staff is going to stay intact?
0: I mean, it it, it sure seems like it. Obviously, there we haven't gotten through the entire coaching cycle yet. There, there is still more movement to be made. Of course, uh, everyone's uh, changing coordinators, changing position coaches as we go through now. But it doesn't seem like there's really a whole lot of rumors that such and such coach is going to leave or such and such coach wants to move on. I know, of course, at at the midway point of the season, a lot of Notre Dame fans, uh, especially, wanted Tommy Reese to be removed as the uh, as the offensive coordinator. I don't think that's really the case anymore. Um, I think Marcus Freeman has total faith in him, especially as they adjusted things and got better down the stretch of the season. So I would expect most of the coaching staff, obviously there's always some turnover, but I would expect most of the coaching staff to be intact for next year.
2: Dylan, let's talk uh, college basketball. Let's start with Purdue. They got the loss. I- I'm going to bypass, by the way, just as a favor to you, since it is your birthday week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bypass the Purdue LSU game and uh, ah. just completely go to Purdue basketball. Uh, and, and you're welcome, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, let's talk about Purdue Rutgers. Obviously it's happened again. The number one ranked team in the country, the Purdue Boilermakers falling in a tight one to Rutgers, uh, a late shot ends up knocking off the, the Boilermakers this time. It happens in Mackey arena. Really? This game was lost in the first half. Purdue had trouble handling the pressure of Rutgers guards. Is that kind of a blueprint? Has Purdue been exposed now by Rutgers?
0: I don't know if it's been exposed, but I do think there is kind of a blueprint for other teams if they want to follow it. Now, I will say this is not the first time that Purdue has faced pressure. There have been a lot of teams that have looked at Purdue, looked at those freshman guards, and said, hey, let's throw a full-court press at them. And Purdue had no trouble breaking the press until that game against Rutgers. And that's why I think it's not quite being exposed so much as it is running up against a team that's very, very good. Rutgers has the length and athleticism in the backcourt that few other teams have. So other teams can try to do what Rutgers did against Purdue. But it's going to be difficult for them to do it. I think that going into that game, Rutgers was a little bit underrated because they lost some games early in the year when they had some injuries. But that is a dang good team with a lot of athletes all over the court, and they, they're going to make it difficult for everyone. And does, So, like, that that is the way to beat Purdue, but it's going to be a recipe that few other teams are going to be able to match.
2: How does Purdue respond? They've got a tough one on the road at Ohio State. I looked at the schedule this week, and I thought because they played at Mackey against Rutgers, they would get the win, but they would struggle against Ohio State. Now that they've lost to Rutgers, I think we learn a lot about the resiliency and the toughness of this Purdue team going into a hostile environment in Columbus tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, especially Ohio State team is playing very well right now. That is also young, uh, also has two uh, true freshmen starting in the backcourt, and also is getting better as the season goes on. But this is a great matchup for the Boilermakers. And it, it kind of, it's almost the type of matchup you want after that game against Rutgers because there really is no time to dwell on it. You can't sit there and feel sorry for yourself. There's another really high-level matchup coming up right around the corner, and I mean they they said all the right things about being ready to go and and being tougher than they were against Rutgers, because that was a thing that Matt Painter said after the game pretty pointedly, Rutgers was tougher than us. And he doesn't want that to happen again, and Purdue doesn't want that to happen again. I think that's going to be something we see a lot of energy from them at the start of the game against Ohio State, because they're not used to being that tough. and I think that kind of woke them up a little bit.
2: It's been a while since we've seen the Indiana Hoosiers on the court, because we had a chance to see Iowa get beat earlier this week. I don't think that does the Hoosiers any favors as they go into a tough place to play in Iowa City, what are the keys for Indiana in this one?
0: Well, I think it's kind of the same thing we just talked about. Mike Woodson talked about earlier this week was, uh, is his team going to be tougher than it was before the uh, before the break? That they basically um, they got out tough in the three games they lost, and then they, the two important games they won, Xavier and North Carolina, they were a the much tougher team. It really does come down to that. Um, I, I do think. Uh, Tamar Bates moving into the starting lineup is a significant move. As Mike Woodson announced that on Monday on his radio show, that Bates is going to replace Trey Galloway in the lineup. And so I think getting some more scoring on the court uh, really helps. And we'll see whether Bates is able to handle 30 minutes in the game and, and whether he can really take off as that perimeter score. Indiana has kind of been missing next to Jalen hood Shafina.
2: I know there's been some people online that have questioned Trace Jackson Davis's leadership. Um When you look at Trace Jackson-Davis, and I've questioned really uh, not so much leadership, just overall toughness. Uh, I mean, somebody who holds other players accountable, not afraid to get into somebody's face when they're not playing well or or they're they're now another head in the game. What do you see when you witness Indiana basketball? Where's the leadership come from? Well,
0: it's interesting because Trace is is a – leader but he's not he's not really a guy that's going to get into your face it's not really who he is as a leader it's never been really his thing but he he does care he does want to be a leader he does want to project toughness uh, I mean against Kansas that was the whole thing Was they were down by 20 and he was out there blocking shots uh left and right in the second half he ended up with nine blocks in that game so uh, it's just a question of whether um he's built to be that kind of guy that is really going to uh, get in someone's face and say, hey, you need to be better, and whether his teammates would follow him in that way. And I, I'm not sure this team is really built that way. And so we'll see going forward because, I mean, the, the thing with Indiana is Trace Jackson Davis is not totally healthy right now. He's still, still dealing with that back injury. What is, what is he going to be like? Is he going to be 100%? And if he's not 100%, can he still affect the game with his leadership? I think that's going to be increasingly important as this evening goes on.
2: Xavier Johnson is out, right?
0: He is. He is out. Uh, Mike Woodson says they still don't have a timetable on when he'll be back. But Basically, he said he's a tough kid. He's been making all the, uh, the right decisions to kind of get back as, as quick as possible. He seems to be slightly ahead of schedule, although, again, we don't know what the schedule is, so I don't know how good, <laughs> good news that is. But uh, he will be out for this game.
2: Don't you expect that uh, how Indiana handles the pressure is going to be one of the keys?
0: Uh, absolutely. I mean, we know we know Iowa is going gonna, is gonna to bring the pressure. We know Iowa is going to try to get up and down the court and, and play very, very fast. And Indi- it's going to be the same kind of thing as it was against uh, Kansas and Arizona. I- Iowa is not as good as either of those teams, but they want to play the same style of basketball and really try to run Indiana out of the gym. Indiana is going to have to bring a lot more energy at the outset of this game than they've had against Kansas against Arizona, even against Kennesaw State, they were really unenergetic at the start of that game and kind of lethargic. And so um, if, if they do that against Iowa, this team could get ugly in the first half. Is
2: this going to be a matchup where Chris Murray is matched up opposite of Trace Jackson Davis? Will they go against each other?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I think it will be Chris Murray and Race Thompson, and then Trace would deal with Philip Obraca, the other uh, Iowa big man, who's kind of more of their, their bruiser. Chris Murray is more of a perimeter-oriented player He's, he plays on the outside a little bit. Obviously, he can score inside as well, but he's more of a, a perimeter-oriented player, and that's the guy that, that um, Ray Thompson generally handles. I, I would also not not be surprised if Jordan Geronimo gets more minutes in this game. He, he had um, a, a good success dealing with Keegan Murray a little bit last year, got him in foul trouble, and I wonder if we'll see them try to do the same with Chris Murray this year.
2: Dylan, always appreciate you. Uh, thanks so much for jumping on. We'll look forward to your coverage at the journal Gazette for uh indiana college sports and uh, have a great wednesday night
0: absolutely thanks brett and happy birthday again
2: yep thank you that is uh, dylan sin birthday boy new year's day with me dylan's a bit younger i don't know if you know that but just, just a couple years just a couple years we'll take a break we'll come back with the wraps on this wednesday edition of the sports rush on 1380 the fan and 100.9 fm this is purdue fort wayne men's basketball coach john Coleman. And you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Go Dons! Big night for college basketball coming up tomorrow night. We mentioned Purdue in action at Ohio State. The Indiana Hoosiers on the road at Iowa City. The Mastodons are at home. It's a chance to see Horizon League basketball at the Memorial Coliseum tomorrow night as the Dons will take on Green Bay. They have been struggling of late. Hopefully the Dons don't uh, open the door and allow them to come through. But uh, that will be tomorrow night at the Coliseum, 7 o'clock tip. Of course, we'll have that coverage for you here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM, which means our Purdue broadcast tomorrow is going to be a special whoa-whoa broadcast of uh, Purdue basketball against uh, Ohio State. So. Purdue on WoWo, Mastodons on 1380, The Fan, and 100.9 FM. And, of course, the Indiana Hoosiers, as always, can be heard on our sister station, Big 92.3. Coming up tonight, Pacers basketball against the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid is out. Yes, he is. (laughs) No fantasy points for you.
3: <laughs>
2: so uh, Pacers against the Sixers without Embiid. Six thirty will be the pregame. Seven o'clock, the tip right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Big thanks to our guests James Boyd from the Athletic, Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files, and of course Dylan Sin joined us from the Journal Gazette. Coming back tomorrow four to six to take you home with another edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan. And 100.9 FM.